Hi, everybody. It's Dr. Eric Coram, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Do you ever feel out of control around food, or like your appetite hijacks your best eating intentions? I think we've all been there. Today's guest, Harvard nutritional psychiatrist, Dr. Uma Naidu, explains the gut-brain science behind hunger hormones like leptin and ghrelin that can sabotage our diet and health when they are disrupted. Folks, we are blessed to have Dr. Naidu back on the show as Michelin-starred chef David Bully described her as the world's first triple threat in the food and medicine space. She's a Harvard-trained psychiatrist professional chef graduating with her culinary school's most coveted award and a trained nutrition specialist. Today, she's going to reveal the root causes driving leptin resistance while providing customized strategies to reset your system no matter how stressed or busy your life gets. You're going to learn the warning signs of leptin disruption and foods that control anxiety. So let's get right to it. Let's lean in and learn from the best. I want to talk about leptin and ghrelin, our quote, hunger hormones. My background, uh, my doctoral work was in sleep. And so we do have some very clear understanding about how sleep can impact these hunger hormones. And when you're chronically sleep deprived, you tend to overeat. Yes. But I'm curious as to what we can do better to control these, these hormones through the way that we eat. And then I think, I think a lot of people don't ever want to feel like they have, they don't have control over their diet. They don't have, sorry, they don't have control right. over their appetite. That feels terrible. Mm, true. So leptin disruption is is definitely something that we want to be conscious about. Leptin is, as you pointed out, it's a hunger hormone. And it's the hormone that's really supposed to tell us that we've eaten enough. So we've had a plate of food and we're full and that's dinner and you feel better. But when leptin is sort of tipped over, things like poor sleep, diet can affect it, how we're eating and what we're consuming over time, we can cause the leptin to not react in the appropriate way. So it kind of stops doing its job. And this is when we develop a condition called leptin resistance. Essentially, you have that plate of food and then you're thinking, you know what, I know I usually eat this, but I'm starving. I want more. So you're either reaching for five more snacks or another plate of food. You know, I'm not saying that this is a definitive diagnosis of leptin resistance, but if you're noticing this as a pattern change in your behavior, it may be just a day that you've worked out more and you're more hungry. But if you've noticed this change over time, this could signal that you're running into problems. Also, weight gain, sluggishness, brain fog, and other things can be associated with. But it's worth looking at, and it's something that you want to keep a check on. So how can we impact this with the food that we eat? For one thing, we can we can start to clean up the diet. We can start to go back to that meal prep. We can start to give up those less healthy foods. I had I had a, a patient, for example, who I had was a healthy eater, exercised, you know, was pretty in really good shape and came to me for the first time with severe anxiety. And mm. as I spoke to her, it wasn't that she had changed being a healthy person, but she had she knew what healthy habits were, but the change in her job situation mm. was that she was not traveling more. So her entire diet had changed from taking salads from home and eating healthy meals at night, walking her dog, you know, exercising, being outdoors, having one glass of wine if she went out with her friends on the weekend. The whole thing flipped because she was traveling, eating in airports, eating late at night at hotels, 
you know, she hadn't gained weight because she actually was exercising and she kept up with all of that, but her entire microbiome was disrupted. She was drinking two glasses of wine because she had to network with these really um, important people in her company. And to keep up with that, she was eating differently. So when we kind of reset what she needed to do, you know, we walked her back from all of that. And she, you know, over time, like I said, it's a marathon, not a sprint. But over time, she really was able to fend off the anxiety. And she did that through dietary patterns and changing how we helped her eat. I'm curious your thoughts on fasting. Yeah. What do you think about that? I know it's a, there's a lot of a trends around this and people think it's a silver bullet for weight loss and other things. But in relationship to what you're doing, what is yeah. your view on, let's just say, intermittent fasting? Sure. I think there's a place for it. I think one has to be a little bit careful in mental health if people are taking medications and they need to eat something in the morning. And if they don't eat, they may feel um, certain side effects. And so we want to be careful with that. My patients who've tried intermittent fasting tell me anecdotally that they have more energy and they have more focus. So I think it depends. The microbiome is so unique to each one of us that it's not a one-size-fits-all anymore. In my book, I talk about intuitive eating, and that's something that has been super helpful. But with intermittent fasting, it depends on the fasting window, if it works for you. If if I say to, I say to my clients all the time, if you wake up hungry, you may not be a natural intermittent faster. If you wake up hungry, this is this is a signal your body is looking for something. But if you wake up and you just naturally don't want to eat something, it's okay to start eating later and use a window during which you eat and then see how you feel with it. It's often trial and error. Fasting has has some proven health benefits. But again, I don't think it's the be-all and end-all for everyone. I think it works really well for some people, and I think other people need more solutions. And I feel in the health and nutrition world, we just need to be more flexible with what we provide to people by giving guidance based on science, but not hard and fast rules. Because if we say to people, everyone has to do this, if they wake up hungry or they need to take an important medication in the morning, it may make that person do something or try something that really won't work for them. Yeah, it's super interesting. My mom has never been a breakfast eater. She literally gets sick to her stomach if she eats breakfast. So she just has to start. She eats a little bit later in the day. and That's just totally fine for her. And then for me, you know, I get hungry around eight or nine and I go eat. I've also Mm -hmm. found that if I intermittent fast, I start getting almost anxious. I get a little too ramped up and I don't feel very good. So I I like to eat a, a breakfast in the morning. That's just a personal anecdote. Last couple of things. What foods, I know you touched on this briefly earlier, but what are some foods specifically that are demonstrated to potentially have an impact on anxiety and our mood? So I've listed several foods as we've spoken, but some that I want to highlight for people are some some that may be in the form of a supplement, but I want to highlight them because they have some good evidence behind them. One is ashwagandha, which is very bitter tasting, by the way. I reminded you that I had Ayurvedic practitioners in my family, so you've had very tasty. ashwagandha, like raw ashwagandha. <laughs> when I was little, yeah, I tried my it. My goodness, a, uh, <laughs> not, not flavorful. Yeah. Um, so, as a performance, actually, does have a good amount of evidence for helping anxiety, and as a supplement, it's it's okay to take that way. But other foods that I want people to think about is leaning into spices, which are. If you buy a pure spice, it's sugar-free, calorie-free, salt-free, and a great way to flow flavor your food. So things like capsaicin, trimmed chili peppers, turmeric with a pinch of black pepper. The black pepper activates the curcumin, makes it 2,000% more bioavailable. 
oregano, parsley, mint, thyme, all of these herbs, spices, uh, saffron can actually be really beneficial to your brain. We know we've talked about an anti-anxiety plate, but these are additional sort of enhancements that you can add into all of that. Another thing that I want to highlight, Eric, is that a lot of people, especially women and children, may be iron deficient. So making sure that you're getting good sources of iron through your food or making sure when you have your checkup with your pediatrician or your doctor, that they're checking that is important because especially in younger people, iron deficiency is associated with anxiety. So it's just something to uh, to be careful of. Wow. First of all, I just love listening to you talk about food. Uh, oh, you, have such you. A, you have such a wonderful <laughs> voice. Did you? Are you doing a, uh, an audio version of your book? I am, but I have to tell you, I chose not to read the book this time. And okay. I, I know several people have asked me about that, and I just there was no way that I could do it this time around. It's a pretty hearty book. There's a lot of great information in here. The book is called Calm Thank Your you. Mind with Food, and everybody should definitely get it. It's coming out this December, so when this podcast drops, it should be available uh, where on Amazon, any other place people should go look for it. Yes, it's available at my website, umanaidumd.com. And if you pre-order the book there, you'll get some goodies with it because we wanted people to have actionable things they can do while waiting for the book. Uh, the book comes out December 26th. Check it out also on social media at Dr. At D-R-U-M-A-N-A-I-D-O-O and sign up for my newsletter on my website because I write on different foods every week and hopefully that can be helpful too. We'll put all of this in the show notes. I highly recommend folks do that. Thank you so much for coming on today. It was such a pleasure to spend time with you and I'm very thankful for the work that you're doing. Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you enjoyed the past two episodes with Dr. Naidu, please share them with a friend as this is an excellent way to help somebody else battle anxiety and improve their health. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode.